Her name was Lolita, and not every port she carried me to over the years was charted in degrees of latitudes and longitudes. On a flat sea, her keel sat deeper in the water than twice the height of most men. From her teak deck, which flared with her hull like a dancer's hips, her mast towered nearly eighty feet, and her length from the stem to the stern was an inch shy of fifty-seven feet. With the wind bold in her sails, Lolita, the third and last vessel of that name that I have owned, was exhilarating as she knifed through the waves, leaving a foamy wake and a stinging salty spray. But like most things that matter, my gleaming sailboat, named for my dear wife, was much more than the sum of her parts, much more than could ever be suggested in her simple specifications. I trusted her to not only win sailboat races around the globe for me and my crew, I trusted her to sail me out of the storms of earthly preoccupations and into the places where serenity meets fulfillment, as snugly as the sky meets the sea. Not so long ago, drifting in this ephemeral place of open sea and open mind, I found myself contemplating what had brought me to this marvelous moment in my life. I had logged more than seventy years, a life that began in uncertain waters, to find sweet swells of an enchanting childhood shared with my twin sister Frances, then early success in international banking. It has been a life marked, sometimes painfully public, by dead seas and heady trade winds, too. It has been a life that has bestowed on me a beautiful and loving family, a devoted wife who has never left my side, even in the most difficult of times, and my children and grandchildren who mean more to me than life itself, and friends, such good friends. I was blessed, I reminded myself, that afternoon at the helm, as I glided along a breathtaking waterscape with my heart light and soul brimming with gratitude alone in my thoughts. I had literally journeyed so far beyond my birthplace of Rocky Mount from the tobacco fields of North Carolina. I had sailed so far beyond the limited expectations, too often the burden of black boys like me who grew up between the wake of the Great Depression of the late 1930s and the first promising ripples of the civil rights movement of the early 1960s. I was a kid not too unlike black kids growing up today, who dared to dream larger than those who dared to doubt my capacity to make those dreams real.' 